tonight to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5, we're going to get back to thinking about the things Jesus said. And tonight I want to speak to you about what Jesus said about doing the unusual. What Jesus said about doing the unusual. And I, maybe that title will make sense as we go along. Uh, Verse number one, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed to him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all of the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had, had done this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Uh, I can't read this without thinking about uh, many memories related to uh, to fishing. From the time that I was uh, old enough to walk, I spent more time hunting and fishing than than anything else. I, I could talk for hours and hours about uh, stories related to fishing experience. I probably spent an hour of that time talking about Brother Ron and I and fishing experiences. You thought his near-death experience was his illness in the hospital, but he had one before then also, and uh, it was down at the lake. And, and of course, I could tell you about uh, my last uh, experience fishing with Bev, and, and, and that was uh, even a closer to... Uh, um, real life and death thing. So I could talk a lot about fishing. I was raised on the White River up in the Ozarks and, and spent every minute that I possibly could fishing. I remember when they built Table Rock Lake and they stocked Table Rock Lake with, with trout of all things. I mean, we're hillbillies. We don't, we don't want old trout. And so uh, after they'd stocked those, why, and you could just catch them like crazy, and all of us folks that lived down there, we'd throw them out on the bank, which was against the law, by the way. But we'd, we'd catch those things and just throw them out on the bank. We were fishing for bass. We didn't want trout getting in the way. So I spent a lot of time fishing. But I have to admit, I, I've never experienced anything like this. This is a different fishing trip than anything that, that I've ever had. And, uh, and I'm certain that it was a trip that those disciples would never forget. Now, you know, we think about this as being interesting, but if we really investigate the story, it's more than interesting, it's inspirational because it is a reminder to us of what God can do. It starts out on a high note there in verse number 1 where it talks about, notice that, uh, that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Isn't that something? Wow, I mean, uh, 
You know, he's the most controversial character that ever lived. And even back then, while he was walking upon the earth, there were those that, that hated him and those that loved him. Some folks called him uh, demon-possessed and so forth. And so he was hated and despised. But yet, in spite of all of that, there was a great multitude of folks that was following him, uh, listening to him. They pressed upon him to hear the Word of God. That's what we've been talking about all of these months related to things that Jesus said. That's what this series has been all about, trying to remind us of our responsibility to listen to what Jesus said because we never get off track when we do that. We never take the wrong course when we do that. When we get into trouble is whenever we start listening to the advice that others give or we start, you know, thinking for ourselves that we've got a better way and we act like we're smarter than God. And so here we go off down some course that's going to absolutely in the end lead to our destruction. And we ignore all of the counsel of the Lord, all of the warnings of the Lord, all of the commandments of the Lord, and just go our own way. Uh, listening to the Word of God, that's what gets to the very heart of this message and the heart of what we're talking about tonight. We see here the responsibility and the reward of responding to what Jesus said. Let me repeat that. In this story, we see the responsibility and the reward of responding to what Jesus said. And let me tell you, we will regret it if we don't. Everything in life is affected by our attitude regarding things that Jesus said. Our eternal destiny, for example. Whether you go to heaven or hell is going to be determined by what you think about what Jesus said. Our experiences in life will be largely determined by our response to what Jesus has said. Not only that, but also our emotional well-being will be affected by that. Our ability to endure trials or escape temptation, uh, our excellence of character, our example before others, and all of these things ultimately depend upon our attitude toward what Jesus said. So we need to give that much consideration because we have an obligation to give Him our undivided attention, right? I mean, after all, He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and who are we when He speaks to not listen to what He says? He demands our attention. He deserves our attention, and we better give it to Him. The problem is, is we are so easily distracted and it seems like there's always something to distract us from what is really important i i was and i'm not going to read it but uh, this last week i as i was thinking about this message and so i began to read the some information about uh, uh gennesaret the, the sea of galilee and and i was blown away by what i read and 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 it not only not only what I read by way of how it was described as it existed then, which is different than now, by the way, but the attitude of the people toward that. And, and you know, I could almost picture myself being in that situation. And I can remember as a boy in grade school, you know, sitting there at York School and, 
and boy, especially when springtime come, and I spent most of my time looking out the window wishing I was fishing or hunting or something anywhere but in there, and I could look out, you know, and see the trees and look out and see the houses and and, and, uh, you know, I wanted out of there. So there's always something to distract us. The Jews had a saying that God created the seven seas, but that was for us. He created the Sea of Galilee for himself. That was his own private uh, property, so to speak. And they, they held it in such high esteem. And so when I think about this story and the Lord as he is speaking, I can almost see somebody there looking out there on the sea and watching the birds, watching the fish jump in the water and, you know, and thinking, hey, I wonder if the fish are biting today or uh, just getting lost in the wonder. Does anybody else enjoy just sitting and looking at nature? I mean, just sit out under a tree and watch the squirrels play and listen to the doves coo and boy that 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 is therapy for me and uh, and and I can picture them getting lost in that but they're listening. Notice they're listening as he speaks the word of God. I have no idea what the message was about. I don't know what particular doctrines he might have been dealing with. I don't know what issues he might have been setting before them. But I know that it was Christ who was speaking. When he's speaking, everybody ought to be listening. Now, today I want to remind you that we dare not deprive ourselves of a blessing by refusing to listen to what Jesus says. Notice here in the first four verses, this is the revelation, what the Lord said. And it really gets personal in verse number four because in the first three verses, Jesus is speaking publicly. He's speaking to all of the people. And verse number four, though, he, he's speaking specifically to Peter and he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. That must have been a big surprise to Peter. And not only was it a big surprise, it must seem senseless to him. Do what? Do what? You, you, you really want us to go back fishing again? Now, this is the revelation. This is the message that he was given. And that's why I'm talking about tonight of, of listening to what Jesus said about doing the unusual. This is not usual. And, and Peter knows that. But that's the message. Like it or not, that's the message. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now, notice here in verse 5, his reluctance to do so. And uh, by the way, I can, I can sort of understand why he would be reluctant. He says... Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. We've taken nothing. Why would you want to go back out there if you've been out there all night and, and you haven't caught anything? There's several things about this. Now, I want you to think about why he was reluctant. First of all, he was weary. It says, we have toiled all of the night. Now, keep in mind that his method of fishing was considerably different from our method of fishing. I have fished all night, many a night. There have been many times I fished all day Saturday, all night Saturday night, and got back in time to teach my Sunday school class on Sunday morning. Uh, I, I've done that. I wouldn't recommend it, but I have done that. Uh, but... Uh, 
but there's a big difference between sitting out there and usually night fishing, you know, uh, if you're fishing for crappie and you've got a lantern tied up in a tree branch and you're sitting there drowning minnows and, uh, and tr trying to catch crappie. And, you know, although it's weary, these guys are not fishing with, with a fishing pole. They don't have a Zebco, you know, and they don't have a they don't have an all-star bass rod, and, and they, you know, they're out there with all of these big heavy nets, and, I'm, and we're talking about real work now to take those nets and to put those nets out and to drag those nets in, hoping you've got something. These guys are exhausted; they're worn flat dab out. And now the Lord's telling them to push themselves beyond the point of exhaustion. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets. Doesn't make sense, does it? We've toiled all night. The point is that if we're going to serve God, sometimes we have to do what we do. We have to do what He commands us to do, even though we're tired and even though we're hurting. We really do. I mean, that's that's just life. Now, I understand. I understand there's a lot of times people are weary and exhausted and people that are sick and they need a time of rest and relaxation. I understand that. And if you've got the flu or something, you need to be home in bed, not here spreading it among everybody. So, you know, I'm not totally unsympathetic toward those that are ill. But I'm telling you that if we're going to serve God, you, you just can't wait until you feel good all of the time. Because I'm telling you, the older you get, the more you're going to hurt. Bev and I talk quite often how wonderful it would be if the Lord said, I'll tell you what, you know, it, it, I've been making it pretty rough on you. I'm going to start giving you every Friday a pain-free day. Wouldn't that be something? I'd probably, the problem with that is probably get so backslidden, you know, that it wouldn't be of any use to God at all. But there are no pain-free days, you see, and you have to just keep going. And, and that's what he's saying here. Remember what Paul said about serving the Lord over in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. He said his service, service was often, now get this, in weariness and painfulness. Think about that. You know, I want to write that down and, and, and remember that. And the next time, you know, you're tempted to think, well, you know, I, I really don't feel up to par. When do you ever feel up to par? Uh, you, I, you know, you never do. And so Paul said, my service was in weariness and painfulness. Christian service requires labor. That is working even to the point of exhaustion. And that's just a price a lot of people, most people, are not willing to pay. They're not willing to go that far in serving God. So he's reluctant because he's weary, but he's also reluctant because it seemed useless. He says, we have toiled all of the night, but notice he says, and taken nothing. Now keep in mind, these guys are expert fishermen. They had to be. Their livelihood depended upon their ability to catch fish. They didn't fail because of a lack of ability. They didn't fail because of the lack of effort, just couldn't find the fish. They're experienced fishermen who had failed, and now the Lord is telling them, remember, he's a carpenter. You know, I, I mean, I just can't help but wonder if maybe Peter and some of the crew didn't think, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
you're the son of the carpenter, we're the fishermen, and you're telling us what we ought to do, and you're telling us to go back out in the deep and to let down our nets. It just does not make sense. They, you know, and uh, they had to overcome that disappointment of their failure and to keep trying if they were going to succeed. You know, it's doubtful that we will ever see all of the results that we want to see. It really is. You know, we can all think, boy, I thank God for Tim joining the church this morning. You know, thank God when the Lord adds to the church. Or we see someone saved here a couple of weeks ago, and th this will come up later on, and you all, I don't know if anybody's aware of it or not, but the little Carter girl was saved. Bev led her to the Lord over in the office after the church service that last day that we were here. And, uh, and, and what a thrill that was. I wish that happened every week. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, you see, that's what we desire, right? But, but it's doubtful that we'll ever see all of the results that we desire. But let me tell you, we won't see any results if we don't listen to what Jesus says. If we quit, if we just give up, we'll not see any results. And so the lesson here, folks, is not about fishing. The lesson is about finishing. It's about living. It's about being faithful. It's about doing what God tells us to do, even when it doesn't make sense. By the way, it's not our job, uh, you know, to, uh, to make things happen. It's not our responsibility to do that. that. That God's the one that gives the increase. Isn't that right? You know what the Bible says? We're to just be faithful doing what He calls us to do. So Peter is reluctant here. He's weary. It doesn't make sense. Thirdly, he had other plans. Notice it says here, they were washing their nets. Now that implied that they planned to do something else besides fish. They're washing their nets. Now the fishing, as far as they're concerned, is done for a while. And, and you know, it doesn't say what they were going to do, but I've got a notion they were going to get some sleep. They fished all night long. They're tired. They're weary and so they're washing their nets. They're taking care of their equipment. Um, but they had to change their plan. Have you ever had to do that? To change your plan because of something Jesus said? But we have had to do that over and over and over again. You know, we all have our plans. We envision what we would like to do. I'm so thankful, and I won't mention any names, but uh, one, of, one, of our, one of our families here in the church uh, about a year ago, I guess it was, had, uh, had, thought, about, uh, had thought about relocating, uh, continuing to, you know, attend church here, but relocating... And, and then eventually they thought about relocating to where it would be impossible. And I'll never forget the day when that person said, you know, we decided that we are not going to leave our church. We're going to keep living right where we live, going to stay right where we are, because we're not leaving our church. That's more important to us than anything else. Boy, I wanted to, you know, uh, turn the somersault and shout hallelujah. You know, sometimes we need to change our plans because we get it wrong. 
so many times. And, and, and a serious Christian has to be willing to change their plans. Now, some have the idea that, that if, they, if what they're doing isn't really wrong, if it's not sinful, then it's okay to go ahead and do it. In other words, these guys could have said, Now look, Lord, I know you mean well. You really don't know that much about fishing, uh, but you mean well, and ordinarily we would, we'd go ahead and do that. But we're worn out. We've got to get some sleep. Uh, you, you, you just don't understand. And we've already washed the nets. If we go out there and put these nets back in the water, we're going to have to turn around and do that all again. So none of this makes any sense to them whatsoever. And they could have justified it by saying, you know, our Creator designed us with a need for sleep, and that's what we need right now. Well, you know, that's true. There's nothing sinful about sleep, is there? There's not anything sinful about recreation in and of itself, or education, or vocation. None of those things are sinful until they cause us to neglect God's will for our life. Whenever we allow those things to dictate what we're going to do instead of listening to what Jesus said, then we get ourselves in trouble. What He says should take precedence over absolutely everything else. And sometimes God requires us to make a major change in our life. It might be a lifelong dream that you have, and it might involve a major plan in your life. And the Lord simply says, look, I've got another plan. I've got something else I want you to do, and we need to be willing to put aside our personal goals and do what He tells us to do. So, again, I want to emphasize, I can kind of understand why Peter's reluctant. Let's face it, it just seems foolish also. It just seems foolish. Normally, they fished at night. Normally, they fished in the shallows because at night, the fish come up in the shallows and they go out there, put their nets out, and catch their fish. They didn't fish in the daytime. They didn't fish in the deep. And the Lord says, I want you to go out. Notice, it's daylight now. I want you to go back out to sea. I want you to let down your nets in the deep. So you can say that the Lord's command is really contrary to natural reasoning. This doesn't even make good sense, you see. And what the Lord is doing is, is requiring them to do something that's going to make them look foolish in the eyes of everybody else. Can you imagine the, you know, all of the other expert fishermen there and maybe, you know, maybe they're leaving out also and some, they look down there and they see Peter and his crew launching their ship again and somebody says, where in the world are they going? What are they doing? Don't they know you can't catch fish in the daytime? Don't you know you can't catch any fish out there in the deep? Those guys have lost their mind. No, they haven't lost their mind. They're just doing what Jesus said. And sometimes we have to do that. Do things that will look foolish in the eyes of other people. And I'll guarantee you, you do what Jesus says in regards to everything in your life, and there will be somebody called you a fool. Somebody's going to say, you, you, you're just a fool for Christ. They'll accuse you of wasting your time, wasting your money, wasting your energy. 
right? Launch out into the deep. You know, Peter, he's reluctant, but he didn't say, yeah, but Lord, have you stopped to think about what other people are going to think? What are, they, what are they going to say? What's Uncle Ralph down there, you know? What's he going to... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if had any Ralphs back then or not, but whoever it might have been. What in the world is he going to think about this? We've got to quit worrying about what other people think and start listening to what Jesus says. Now, notice his response. We see that he was reluctant, right? But look at verse 5. Here's his response. Nevertheless, boy, I love that. Nevertheless, we're tired. We fail. Nevertheless, we're weary. It doesn't make sense. It seems foolish. Da, da, da. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Boy, I'm telling you what, that speaks volumes about Peter. And how you respond to what Jesus says speaks volumes about you. In the first place, he didn't let failure stop him. I think that phrase there, washing their nets, has been misunderstood by a lot of people. They were not quitting. In other words, they're not going out of the fishing business. I, I've heard people preach about that as though, oh, well, they just give up on fishing. No, they didn't. They just quit fishing for a while. They didn't burn their nets. They, they, they didn't sell the business to somebody else. They're taking care of their equipment. They're washing the equipment. I can remember back when I was a boy, used those old Dacron fishing lines and what have you. You get through fishing, we'd go out in the backyard, especially with some of the fly line, and we'd get out there on the old clothesline poles and, and wrap that from one end to the other and let that dry out good. We couldn't afford to buy new fishing line all of the time. We take care of it. They're taking care of their equipment. They're not stopping when it comes to, to fishing. And he says, okay, launch out into the deep. And he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. What would you have done? Well, I know you really don't know what you would have done. I know that you'd like to think, well, I would have done the same thing Peter did. <laughs> we'd like to think that wouldn't we but the, if the truth be known if we were walking in his sandals in some way transported back in time and, and that was us instead of him I'm just afraid some of us would say Lord I'm too tired to do that I, some other time let me rest a little while and then I'll do that uh, or Lord I, I don't want to make a fool out of myself by fishing here in the daytime and out in the deep but Lord tonight Tonight, you can count, I'll be back out there. I'll do it tonight. No, we always want to argue with what God wants us to do. In some way, we think that if we can come up with an excuse that's good enough that we'll get out of it in some way. But listen, Peter said, I am not going to let my failure stop me. Somebody said, you know, in regards to our character, that if we have the right kind of character, nothing will stop us. And, and I believe that's right. It'll cause you to keep going when everybody thinks you ought to quit. Everybody thinks you ought to give up. Don't let your past failures cause you to quit. Not only that, but notice here that he was unselfish with his possessions. 
when the Lord, you know, entered into the ship, by the way, that was not an act of presumption. Somebody says, well, who does he think he is to enter into Peter's ship and like to take over and says, go, go out there, I'm, I'm going to preach to these people here on the bank. If you study the matter of redemption and you do remember this is the blessed Redeemer we're talking about, right? When a person had been redeemed, they become the property of the Redeemer. And remember, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has the right of confiscation. He has every right to say, look, Peter, I, I'm, I'm taking over this ship. It, you, it doesn't belong to you. I've been letting you use it, but actually this belongs to me. And we need to think that way. That everything that we have is something that God has given us to use because believe me, you're not going to take any of it with you when you leave. So Peter is unselfish with his possessions. He's willing not only that, but he's willing to follow orders. Even when it seems silly, he's willing to follow orders. He does what the Lord tells him to do. And, and then notice in verse number 7 is something that I think is really amazing is the fact that he was willing to share with others. And they beckoned, and they beckoned unto the partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Fishermen have a term that I'm talking about modern day fishermen have a term that they, that they use that uh, describes their personal their personal uh, favorite spot it's called a honey hole and you don't tell where somebody where your honey hole is i mean that's where you go and i'm mean, you always catch fish there and you don't just take anybody there because you have discovered a spot where there it's always loaded with fish and you don't want to tell anybody about it you know i i can't help but wonder Peter out there, and there, boy, they're pulling the net, and it is absolutely full. The boat now is full. They can't get any more fish in the boat. And, and Peter might have said to the crew, look, fellas, keep your mouth shut. Don't you dare tell anybody else about this. If they ask you where we got all of this fish, you tell them that fish rained out of the sky. Tell them that somebody gave them to you, whatever you want, but you don't tell them where we're at, he didn't do that. He said to that other ship, hey, come on over here, guys. Come on over here. And they loaded down both of the boats, all because he was willing to do what God told him to do and was willing to share what God gave him to do. Amen. Now notice verse 8. There's something else about this. We're still talking about his response. Look at verse 8. This gets left out of the story so many times. When Simon Peter saw it, oh, that would have been some sight to see too. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, he was humbled by this experience. I want to tell you right now, success has ruined more people than failure ever has. Prosperity has ruined more people than poverty ever has. Until a person sees themselves as Peter saw himself, they'll never be greatly used of the Lord. 
Jesus had plans for Peter. Look in verse number 10 for just a minute here. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. Now get this. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. Amen. Well, remember, he's already he's told them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And now, boy, you talk about an object lesson. This is it. This is something they will never forget. He has... He has a plan for Peter. But they would never be realized if he has the wrong attitude about what Jesus says. And so we end up talking about the reward. I don't think we need to elaborate on that, do we? We learn from that that the Lord always honors faith and rewards obedience. He did that for Peter. He'll do that for you. He'll do that for me. If we're willing to listen to what Jesus said. Now, there's several lessons involved in this story, and I want to be brief. I want to give you four lessons we learn from this story. Number one, Christ is anxious for people to hear the truth. He wants people to hear the truth. Whenever I say people, I'm not talking about people in Africa and China and other places. I'm talking about people everywhere. He wants people in our community, people in your family, people in your workplace, people in your school. He wants them to hear the truth. And that's very evident from this as he is teaching these people. Secondly, Christ expects us to use what we have to make the truth known. I don't have a ship. I got a little 12-foot fat-bottom boat out in the backyard. No, it's not for sale. That's all I've got. I've had some other little flat-bottom boats and what have you, but, uh, uh, but anyway, they're gone. Now, that, that's, that's, that's the only thing I've got out there. I don't have a ship. I don't have those big old nets that they used back in those days. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times we look at somebody that maybe the Lord has used and we think to ourselves, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't have the ability that they do. Oh, if I could sing like so-and-so or if I could preach like so-and-so or if I could do this or I could do that, boy, then I could really see God using me. No, no, listen, God can use you, whoever you are. It doesn't make any difference who you are. He has even chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He wants to make the truth known, and He wants you to use what you have to make that happen. The third lesson we learn is He expects us to walk by faith and to follow Him fully. Look at verse number 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, notice, they forsook all and followed Him. How there might have been somebody, you know, thinking... Hey, man, we got to get these fish to the market and we got to get back out there and catch more fish. You know, that's kind of the way we think so many times in our life. We pray for God to give us what we need and we get what we need and then we start thinking about what we want. And then we start accumulating and, and so forth in our life. 
And then all of a sudden, the thing that we're living for is to get stuff that we want that we'll never use that we don't deserve and complain about it whenever we, you know, can't get it. That's just human nature. I, you, you might sit here and think, well, oh, yeah, there are people like that. Yeah, there are people like that, and you're one of them. I am too. We all have that as a part of our nature to be more concerned about what our wants than we are about our needs. They could have said, man, we're, 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 going, we're going to hire some more staff. We're going to enlarge the, the company. They didn't. They just forsook all. They, now they're getting out of the fishing business. And they followed him fully. The Lord expects you and I to walk by faith. You don't have to understand it. Whenever God speaks, we need to listen. We need to obey regardless. I'll guarantee you whenever I start telling people that God called me to preach, some people thought I lost my mind. And my mother, uh, my, in fact, my mother had a nervous breakdown uh, probably because of that. I'm la- I, I know that's not a laughing matter. It wasn't then whenever I think about all that, all that she went through and what have you. But she's the one who said, oh, well, it'll never last. She had every right to believe that. Nothing I'd ever done had ever lasted. I'd failed in everything I'd ever done, so to speak. I'd made a mess out of my life. She had a right to believe that. But there was a difference. And the difference is I wasn't the same person anymore. And the Lord saved me. He began to change me. And I talk about living by faith. And I think about... And I've often talked about Sarah. I like to talk about Sarah more than I do Abraham. I, I, I admire her more than I do Abraham. I mean, Abraham had a face-to-face with God, and God said, I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. I mean, he, he at least has had that experience. The only thing she has to listen to is him, Abraham. No, Abe comes in and says, come on, babe, pack your bags. We're going to move. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just moving. God told me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. And I'm saying all that to say, boy, I'm telling you, Bev has had to walk by faith just like I have. Sometimes even more so. Because I understood and I'm quite confident that maybe Maybe, you know, she didn't have the same experience. God didn't call her to preach. Call me to preach. And he expects all of us to walk by faith. One last thing. Christ wants us to know that he will meet our needs if we obey him. I think that's part of the lesson here, don't you? I mean, wouldn't that have been something had they had they done everything Christ told them to do. They go back out, they let down the nets, they drag those nets, and they bring them back in empty. Well, we better try again. And they do that all day long, and nothing. Can you imagine when they come back in and they think, well, we did what Jesus said, but it it sure was a waste of time. I think the Lord is wanting to teach them this lesson right here early in their, in their ministries. That you follow me, you do what I tell you to do. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. These things will be added to you. 
I'll take care of you. I'll supply your needs. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. And it's true of each and every one of us. Do you want what is best for you? You say, well, maybe. I didn't think I had any right to worry about what is best for me. And some people, you know, that think it's super spiritual or something to, to think that we don't have any, any right or shouldn't have any desire to be happy. In other words, their opinion is, you know, and people have asked, does God want me to be happy? Sure He does. He just wants you to find your happiness in Him, not in the stuff of this world. Because you never find it out there anyway. Sure, He wants you to be happy. He wants you to prosper and that He wants to supply your needs. And He's promised He'll do so if we will listen to what Jesus said. Even, even when it's unusual like this. Let's all stand together. Father, thank You, Lord, for caring enough about us and and speaking to us, giving us clear direction as to our manner of life. We'd never figure this out on our own. We'd never, we'd never think of some of the things that you would have us to do. We don't have that ability in and of ourselves. And we're just so thankful that by, by the truth of your word, by the witness of your spirit, by your means of grace that you're able to move and to direct our steps that we take. And I just pray that we'll be obedient followers, that we'll do as you command, that we might experience what you desire. And even if the world might call us a fool, let us do what you command us to do when it seems like that it is foolish when it doesn't make sense, when nobody else will understand it, it is so unusual that regardless of what they think, that we'll be willing to listen to what you say. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing a verse of invitation. 326. If you're here tonight and the Lord's speaking to your heart about, well, about anything whatsoever, maybe you just want to come and pray. I, I don't know. So oh.